it's sad how impressed I was with the fact that he didn't fuck his 16 year old student. Exactly. And what the fuck does that say about Hollywood? Hey, welcome to Cover Eyes Podcast. Today we're talking about summer school from 1987. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Holly. I found this movie to be like really mellow and easy. Scientology <laughs> classic. Percy oh, Alley. Yeah. Jesus. You know, she's an opera. She's at uh, OT8 in Scientology. Is that the highest level? Yeah, it means that she's an enlightened being. Wow. And that she can has all kinds of magical superpowers. Is that why she doesn't make movies anymore? <laughs> I guess we're not enlightened to understand the ways of the OT8. Anyway. Anyway. Summer school. 1987. <laughs> I like that. I was realizing, like, this is one of the only, like, 80s teen movies that really doesn't have any notable songs in the soundtrack, does it? I can. I was thinking of no. that this morning. Like, I don't remember any good songs from that. It doesn't. It's okay. So I always thought this was a made for TV movie. It has that feeling, doesn't it? it but Rob, wait, no, Carl Reiner, he's the dad. Yeah. Right? Carl yes. Reiner made it. He's the director. I know. He's in and, it. Yeah. And he's in it. I love his role too. <laughs> Me too. My actually one of my favorite quotes. So at the beginning of the movie, they're at school and it's the last day of school. And one of the teachers who's supposed to be teaching remedial English summer school class, who's played by the director, Carl Reiner, he says he he wins the lottery, he wins $50,000. And he says to Gil, the principal. So he's like, Gil, I'm quitting. I just won $50,000. And Gil's like, but you gave me your word. You teach this remedial English course for summer school. And then Carl Reiner says, that was my old word. My new word is money. (laughs) And then he just like walks off. And then that's how Freddie, who's the PE teacher, quotation marks around teacher, according to his own standards, get ripped into teaching summer school instead of going to Hawaii with his girlfriend who goes anyway without him. And she's just like, you know what? Sorry, babe. I'm going to go have fun. Yeah. You it's summer. She's already packed. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, wow, this is a movie where a woman asserts her independence and the man in response is like, well, okay. I mean, I got to respect that. <laughs> Go figure. Groundbreaking. Yeah. It was nice. It was like, there are very few controversial things in this movie, actually. It's like a, it does seem made for TV because it's like lighthearted uh, 80s TV movie with nothing really racy. Right. Well, I mean, isn't Carl Reiner responsible for like the Dick Van Dyke show? Yeah. I was just going to say that's probably, he's bringing like Carl Reiner vibes. Yeah, it's like a cleansed version of Fast Times or something. Yes, (laughs) I remember when we watched Fast Times. I had actually kind of gotten Chainsaw and Dave 
the two kids in the class that are into special effects, like in gore. Um, I got them mixed up with Spicoli and his friends. Really? Yeah. In my mind, because I've actually seen summer school way more than I ever saw Fast Times or Angelina High. Because mm-hmm. I feel like summer school was on like the USA channel in the 90s, like the late 80s, early 90s, like all the time. And anytime it was on, I would watch it because I found this movie really comforting mm-hmm. because Freddie was just, he's hes this adult who doesn't really have any interest in putting up appearances or like seeking other people's approval. He's in a way, he's like a prototype for the dude. He's like a more engaged with society, like, because he's just like, Hey, you know, whatever, whatever goes, goes like you're a person, you've got your own stuff. I'm not going to judge that. Like he's bringing, um, and, uh, non-judgment and unconditional acceptance into an environment where that's like basically unheard of, which is in the classroom. That's really appealing. I feel like he's the enlightened one. Yeah, Mr. Shoop, Freddy. I feel like this whole movie is just a vehicle to show how adorable Mark Harmon is. <laughs> I know. We have he's to just do- so adorable. Did you? Okay, but did you see him play Ted Bundy when you were a kid? <clears throat> um, In the I remember TV? that it happened, but I actually don't remember if I saw that movie. And so after this is over, I looked it up. I'm like, was this before or after he played Ted Bundy? And this was the year after he played Ted Bundy, The Deliberate Stranger. I saw The Deliberate Stranger with Nana when I was little. I'm sure I saw it too, actually. And then I saw it, I saw it some other times too. I feel like I even rented it or something. (laughs) So I feel like the reason, the actual reason that people remember Ted Bundy as being handsome is because they Mm -hmm. actually remember Mark Harmon playing Ted Bundy in The Deliberate Stranger. Because when you look at Ted Bundy, he's really not attractive. Like, at most, he's average. And if you factor in the vibes he was probably giving off generally, he's probably the, for most women, he was probably the creepy guy sitting at the end of the bar, quite frankly. I mean, but anyway. um, I mean, he's attractive for a serial killer. Sure. That's like the standard that you're going by. So like relatively, I would mm-hmm. say compared to other ones, that's why people would call him attractive. But yeah, in general, he's not. <laughs> you wouldn't notice him. Right. But you would notice Mark Harmon. And I would help Mark Harmon find his dog and help him load something into his car. <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah. What do you have to lose? <laughs> I would just get lost in his eyes. So, yeah, this movie, it was really like there's nothing controversial or offensive or I really didn't find anything that I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe I saw this when I was a kid. Like some of the scary scenes when they do their special effects were kind of scary. But I mean, Mm -hmm. we were like nine when we watched this. So we probably weren't that scared of it. We'd seen way worse yeah by the age of nine we were seasoned by that age (laughs) yeah actually i found in some ways i found freddie sharing 
peanut butter and jelly <laughs> off of the, from the jar <laughs> uh, onto his finger into his mouth into the jar the jars into his dog's mouth his finger and then back again they were sharing the peanut butter and jelly not only was not only the next time you look into the jar of peanut butter or jelly, you're going to find jelly in the peanut butter jar and you're going to find peanut butter in the jelly jar. And that like makes me cringe in and of itself. Then the knowledge that the dog saliva has been on the finger that not only went into your mouth, but went into the dog's mouth also. Mm -hmm. I found that I actually covered my eyes. <laughs> like no. When he was sharing with his dog. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's one of the most memorable scenes in cinematic <laughs> history. <laughs> I remember that so much. I remember my mom like gagging like, oh, God, because she can't stand being like even licked by a dog or anything like that. So she was like about to throw up during that scene. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> but I mean, some people just really love their dogs. Oh, I get it. I get it. I'm sure people <laughs> would be grossed out because I rub noses with Petra, my cat. Ew. <laughs> and I also like she she like clean me sometimes, just That's very so briefly. Yeah. And it's it does make me kind of go uh, a little bit. Like because sometimes she'll like lick my cheek. Mm -hmm. And it's so sweet. And she's just being like, I'm your mama, you know? Yeah. And, um, but also it's like, kind of, <laughs> you know, for me, yeah. I just play it off like I'm like cool, but she doesn't do it very <laughs> often. It's not like a big slobbery. Yeah. Cat kisses aren't slobbery. No. It's like she's making herself vulnerable and open to you and you cannot reject her in that moment. Exactly. You just have to go with it. <laughs> and cats are like that. Because they're not mm -hmm. often, like, if, if a cat's vulnerable to you, that's, like, they really think you're special. It's if true. A dog, it means more. <laughs> if a dog's vulnerable, it, it means they're a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you really got to earn it from a cat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so another dog scene while we're talking about it. I'm just going to jump to the end, if that's right. okay. And yeah, like, totally. They're having... A, like a makeout scene on the beach and then the dog comes up and starts kissing their faces while they're kissing and then Mark Harmon just grabs his dog and starts like frenching the dog yes. basically. <laughs> <laughs> that was the very last scene and it just I was just laughing and I was like okay that ended on I feel <laughs> I feel grossed out but also it was just hilarious so it made me happy at the end well, and then that, that whole scene at the end there where they're making out on the beach and the waves are crashing up. That's that um that one movie with Bert Lee. Here to Eternity. Yeah, yeah, that movie. Mm -hmm. Wasn't Montgomery Clift in that movie? I think so. Do you like Montgomery Clift? Um no, I don't know enough about it. Didn't I I think I heard a story of someone that said that they were like the reincarnated Montgomery Clift. Is that a thing? Who? Who said that? I heard it on like a podcast. There was this guy. I would not go around saying that. I mean, somebody's <laughs> somebody's the reincarnated version of Montgomery Cliff. 
yeah. if he's come back yet. A lot of people don't come back like real quick though. Some people do. Some I people want to come right it. back. But some people are like, man, I'm taking like 300 years. Mm-hmm. And I admire that so much because I am very impatient when I get up there. Also, um, I thought it would be cool to do like vintage movies mm-hmm. or like suddenly last summer with Elizabeth Taylor. Did you see that? I feel like we saw that together. That has Montgomery so. Clift in it. It's summer school. Chainsaw and Dave. I feel like Chainsaw was supposed to be like the Spicoli of the movie. Don't you think mm-hmm. they like everybody wanted a Spicoli character from then on? So he was like the stand in. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And the guy that played him, he's in a few 80s movies. I think he's in Ski School and other like super 80s <laughs> things like that. I don't think I saw Ski School. I think I only saw parts of it, and then I saw the remake of it that they did on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and then it made me want to see Ski School. <laughs> oh, do you watch that that show? Yeah. <laughs> that show is one of the most brilliant comedies <laughs> ever. It's irreverent. It's also hard to watch. I can only watch two episodes tops. It's not a binge binging show for me at all, the right. which I appreciate. I, I really like that, too. Small doses. Yeah. So I... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to talk about the movie. Just, like, the general premise is, like, he gets trapped into doing summer school. Like you said, he was going to go on vacation, but then he can't. And then he's teaching all these remedial English kids, all the kids who failed their English exam and had to retake it over the summer. And they just found out that day, too. So everyone's bummed. And no one wants to be there. They're not participating. He doesn't want to be there either. And then finally, they come up with a plan that, like, they will do what he asked them to do. Because if he doesn't, if they don't pass their test, he's going to lose his job. So he's like, I need you guys to actually care about this. And so he has to basically bribe them into caring and trying to pass the test. So he has to grant them each one wish. And some it's something that they each need for the summer. <clears throat> and then that kind of. It builds from there. Sarah, did you have a favorite wish from any of the students? <laughs> Two favorites. So my favorite was the girl who wanted him to be her Lamaze coach, <laughs> the pregnant teen. And then the other one was the girl who just wanted to live with him for a while. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because that's just so messed up. <laughs> it's like, this is inappropriate in so many ways. Well, what's so interesting about this movie is that if you look at everything on paper of how he behaved as a teacher, he every single thing is like the worst thing you could do as a teacher. Mm-hmm. But the point isn't following rules. The point is that he's giving, Freddie's giving these kids his attention. and he's letting them know that he supports them. And that's the thing that they have collectively, like they've been lacking that in some way, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that that's what, that's what we like. The message of that is that that's what the adults are not providing for their children. 
and that like the eighties, you know, everything was caught up in achievement and in having the best and in looking the best and in making sure everybody knows that you're the best and that you wear a red power tie. This movie is like, actually what kids really need is not like extreme pressure put on them to achieve blinding success and have six cars and, you know, three houses or whatever, but to actually feel supported and loved and that like, if they make a mistake, they're not shamed, you know, cause it's like kids need to make mistakes and Freddie's so telling them it's okay to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. And so do all the other adults. And if they tell you they don't, they're hypocrites. And that's why Gil doesn't like him because Gil's the ultimate hypocrite because all he cares about is image. He wants everyone to think he's perfect. And he's not. Mr. Shoop, Freddie, is there to support the kids when they make mistakes. And he even goes so far as to cover for Chainsaw and Dave when they get busted drinking on the beach. He just happens to be roller skating by when the cops come up because they're drinking um, vodka and orange juice. And they're like officers it's not ours it's uh there's our english teacher you can talk to him and so he's roller skating by and he stops and then he says like oh i live in that house right there that's my vodka so they let the kids go and then they're like all right you're coming to jail for you know contributing to the delinquency of a minor so he gets and for having his dog off the leash Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he goes to jail in swimming trunks and roller skates (laughs) And they don't really show much going on in jail. No, but you know, um, every time it made me think about how every time you see a average man going into a prison, like going into a jail cell in a movie or TV show, it's like, I always think, because there's always that um, suggestion that, mm-hmm. They're getting checked out as a piece of meat. Yes. Because jail is men's fear of being raped is embodied in jail. You know, mm-hmm. but whenever those scenes come up in a show, I always think, boy, this is just a little for like male viewers. I'm like, this is just a little taste of what it's like to be a woman anytime you leave your house. <laughs> Potentially. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that anyone should feel that way. But at the same time, I do get like this teeny little pleasure of like, you all need to know how fucking awful this feels. Yeah, certainly women feel that way on the outside. They don't have to be in prison to feel the threat of being raped. But yeah, that's what they always make that implication when a man goes to jail. And I feel like it's in so many movies and they make like jokes about it. And I really don't mm-hmm. feel like they should make jokes about that either. No. I think that's getting better too. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not funny, but, and in this movie, they didn't really go there. They didn't use that as like a comic Mm-mm. thing of like, Oh, he's a super attractive. He's going to become someone's girlfriend, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. They didn't get into that. But yeah. he did come out with an earring, like a safety pin earring. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, where'd you get that? And he's just like, I made a friend while I was in there. <laughs> That's about it. So he really goes above and beyond for his students. And 
He doesn't make a big deal about it. He doesn't make them feel guilty for it. He's just like, yeah. You know, he's probably like, hey, I drank. People drank. Gil probably drank. Mm -hmm. He probably snuck snuck his uh, dad's wine cellar or something. (laughs) (laughs) He probably snuck wine in high school. (laughs) Old Gil. Um, Oh, another thing, though, like when he got arrested, when Freddie got arrested, so the cops that arrested him, they're beach cops from the 80s. And they mm-hmm. have on that like really stiff coach shorts polyester that's like triple knit polyester, mm-hmm. which like it, I think it probably stands up by itself, that polyester. And they're that material. And then they're really short and really tight. And then they have a, in, okay, when you see these two guys walking down the street, I feel like I could ask this guy if if he would help me find my dog. But if I saw like how cops are dressed now, if I saw that guy walking down the street, I'm like, I'm going to get the fuck away from that guy because he has like every single weapon around his waist. And like, no, thank you. I'm going to go look for my dog on my own. <laughs> with Ted so, Bundy. With Ted Bundy. <laughs> Courtney Thorne Smith and she's like the surfer girl who has a crush on him and it's like she's trying to hide it at first but then um when they have that party he has a party at his house which is one of the stipulations he agrees to in order for them to pass the test Chainsaw and Dave are like we want a fourth of July party at your house in honor of Anna Maria the Italian exchange student that they're both trying to get with (laughs) But yeah, so at this party, Pam comes, he's the teacher, Mr. Shoot, Freddie, he's hanging out in his room alone, like while the kids are out there partying. And then she comes in and is like, oh, I like your room. And is hanging out in his bedroom. She's 16. And um, then she gets on the bed with him and she looks at his girlfriend's picture and she's like, oh, who's this? And he says, it's my girlfriend. And she's 21. And then the girl, Pam is like, well, I'm 16, and there's basically no difference between a 16-year-old and a 21-year-old. So what's your problem? Like, why don't you yeah. get with me? She was, like, really pissed off about it. And she kinda, was. <laughs> his, I liked that Freddie's response was just, like, he didn't say anything at all about how she was acting, but he did. he didn't respond to her. In any way, he let her like do what she was doing. And then he made it very clear that he wasn't interested in her romantically, but it was very like gentle mm-hmm. and and he didn't judge her. Yeah. He was just like, okay, Pam, let's get back to the party. Like yeah. we need to get out of this bedroom immediately. Yeah. 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 And uh, the other thing that I appreciated was that he wasn't tempted by her. No. At all. And I, and I, he kept like, sure on paper, it looks like this guy has no boundaries mm-hmm. with his students, but he does have boundaries with the women or with the girls in his class. And there's never any sort of like sexual innuendo there whatsoever between him or any of the girls that were playing the students. And Yes, that was nice. It's refreshing. It is. It's like, oh, <laughs> male acting appropriate towards young girls in an 80s movie? What is happening? 
Yeah. Cause when that, when those subtle flirtations and innuendos between like an adult male and a teenage girl happen in a movie or on a show, it always made me as a girl feel very unsafe. And also having that attention from really gross, inappropriate adult men. When I see it, it's like, uh, you know, you get that kind of gross feeling. I mean, that's subsided now, but when I was like 20 or whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. just still like, oh God, like having flashbacks of when I was 13 or whatever and having some creepy guy just like staring at my boobs and being like, you're filling out or, you know, whatever <laughs> oh kind of like gross crap. I mean, nobody's ever, I don't think anybody's ever actually said that to me, but you know what I'm saying? It's really Their fucking gross. Their face was definitely saying that. Yeah. So you're grown up. <laughs> so fucking gross. Ugh. Like, yeah, I think we've all know. heard that at some Come point. A bit. You know, it's like in a creepy way. Come a little bit closer. Second so you in the grind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Freddie, Mr. Shoop is just like a real stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. But then so Pam doesn't stop. Like she keeps <laughs> going because no. Her wish is that she wants to live with him just for a while. So he comes home one day and she's just sitting on his steps, like with her bag. And he's like, um, what are you doing? And she's like, you, you gave everyone else their wishes. So, um, now you have to let me live with you. And yeah, because like my sister's brother's kids and they had another kid and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's only temporary. And then the worst. So he's like, Okay, um, I guess as long as you're looking for a place and like, you know, stay in the living room and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she looks out the front door and she's like, he said it's okay. And it's like her family of adults and children standing there. And it's like, okay, so you're allowing this. You're knowingly allowing (laughs) your 16 year old sister to live with a grown man who's her teacher. And you don't have any problem with that because you don't have room for her in your house. That's messed up. Her family looks like an advertisement for like a can of Swedish meatballs or something. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that? There was like no pigmentation in the whole bunch. <laughs> Cause okay, so clearly Pam's an orphan. Yeah. And she's looking for a parent. And like that when you're a teenager, that can get or older like that gets as you get older that can get wrapped up in sexual feelings so yeah he maintains his boundaries with pam while he lets her live there and then like one night he's coming home and she's made like this full dinner and he walks through the door and she's like oh hi honey i'm making dinner and it's like clearly she's not seeing the boundary lines even though he's drawn them and then um the love interest mrs bishop kirstie alley like He's been trying to get her to date him and she's been resistant and she happens to stop by that night to drop off a book. And so she walks in and sees the 16 year old girl, like making dinner for him playing house. And she's like, Oh, he didn't tell me there would be a third. I don't think I made enough food for anyone else. I know. He's like, what the hell is going on here? 
And he still is like so oblivious. He doesn't see anything wrong. And then, so she's like, I hope you realize like the damage that you could be doing to this young girl. And then he's like, oh, I didn't even think of it. Yeah. So then he has a talk with her. But like you said, he's really gentle about it. He's not like, you know, I'm, you're young and you've got this all wrong. He just makes like a surfing metaphor that Mm -hmm. she would understand and Mm -hmm. gently eases her towards getting out of his life Mm -hmm. and finding someone age appropriate. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where she goes to live after that. They never talk about it. Maybe she's <laughs> maybe she lives moves in with Kirstie Alley's character. Maybe. Uh, what's her name? Miss Bishop. I don't yes. know her first name. I think she just went by Miss Bishop. <laughs> Even to him, she's like, "Call me Miss Bishop." Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, she's like, she definitely has dominatrix vibes. Oh yeah. You it's know hot. that's why Gil's with her. <laughs> Because you know Gil needs some a spank on a lot. He Gil is exactly the kind of guy that would go to a dominatrix for sure. Principal Gil. Yeah, so I mean, no judgment on that. I'm just saying, no. like, when I see that guy, I'm like, that's like he I likes his, to have a stiletto heel ground into his balls. Yes. That's the vibes he gives off. Yeah. <laughs> and and Miss Bishop is Given off the vibes that she would totally give that to him. Yeah. So, so I actually, she, mm-hmm. oh, I actually like Gil and Miss Bishop better together than I oh, like do you? Miss Bishop and Freddie together. Why? Um, I think Miss Bishop is has no personality in a way. She's only, her only character is in response to one of the men in her life in a way. And like, sure, she's like, oh, you know, give him a break or whatever to Gil whenever, you know, about Freddie. But I just, but I actually just think it's Kirstie Alley. I don't think it's like the character because if you look at what, Miss Bishop actually does in the movie. She's like an active character in the movie. But I just feel like I wanted a different actor to play that because I felt basically nothing from Kirstie Alley. Are you a Rebecca or a Diane? Diane, obviously. Just checking. Was it even worth watching after Diane? Was it was Cheers even worth watching after Diane left? Probably not. It feels like a TV movie to me. Mm-hmm. The pacing of it and like how laid back the direction is. It would have been more interesting to me if he didn't even have a love interest. If he just waited for his girlfriend to get back. Yeah. And was like him and Miss Bishop were just like pals. But I mean, that movie would have, I mean, that would have never happened back then because there always has to be a love interest in the movie. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like it could I feel like it would have worked better with Kirstie Alley playing Miss Bishop if they just played it like there wasn't any romantic thing and he was just like waiting for his girlfriend to get back. Yeah. That's how I, I would do it. <laughs> they did like a good job of not making him like creepy, overly persistent. No, not at all. As well. He was just like, Hey, I like you, you want to go to dinner? And he would just ask mm-hmm. her, Do you want to go to dinner? Like Many times, but not in, like, a creepy, Mm -mm. threatening way. (laughs) No. 
almost like jokey like and yeah. also he's the kind of guy that like if you say hey i i'm not interested that way they're like oh that's cool we can be friends yeah they're not and he's i feel like he's that way i think so too which is nice because you never see you almost never see that character i feel like freddie's a character that you almost never see with a man in an 80s movie no and He's this great. is this is actually my favorite teacher saves all the students uh movie ever yeah wow like like i always find those movies to be incredibly patronizing and just like okay yeah. okay psa announcement after school special mhm um, yeah, so there's uh, Dangerous Minds. Is that yeah. the one with Michelle Pfeiffer? Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe like. Does she one of the rap most... in that movie? No. Does she? Please tell me okay. now. Okay, so I think I might have used to been on a timeline where she raps in that movie. <laughs> I... I mean, there is a rap song associated with that movie, so maybe, maybe you're just that's getting like... that blurred together. I think <laughs> that's definitely like jumping the shark if she raps. I don't really want to watch it to find out, though. Me then there's either. like Stand and Deliver, and right. then there's the other one with like Edward James almost. Mm-hmm. I think the Stand and Deliver is Morgan Freeman, and then the Edward James almost one I can't remember. But those are like the main like yeah. I'm coming to save you. I'm an amazing teacher one, which is great. Like yes, there are yeah. amazing teachers that do that, yeah. but this one does it in like a more just relatable way, <laughs> a less well, dramatic way. And it doesn't because like the I feel like a lot of these movies, it's like we're gonna I'm gonna show I'm the teacher and I'm gonna show you the passion of working hard and this is the American dream. And and there's that vibe to the whole trope. Mm-hmm. This movie though is like kids need to feel accepted. And they need to have a a space to know that what they need to express is going to be heard and that the person, the adult who's hearing it, isn't going to try to fix or change it. That, that, That a kid needs someone, an adult figure who can just be there to like unconditionally say, it's okay. This is just how stuff is. And it's weird, and it's going to get weirder. <laughs> the older you get, the weirder it gets, kid. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's a great message. And I think that that's a that seems like it's a more important message that was like never heard in Hollywood <laughs> in yeah. these movies because the other movies are like really fiery and there's almost like this like guru element to the teacher of like these kids are going to rally because this teacher's got so much passion and like these kids are just going to like ride on the steam of the teacher's passion (laughs) you know and it's like yeah I mean that's that's like exciting you know and I can see how people get like watch that and they like get swept up in it and stuff and you know get jazzed about things and that's cool Mm -hmm. um I just always thought it seemed unsustainable and not really 
Not really, because the thing is, those other movies about a teacher helping students get their grades up and be inspired, those are about the teacher doing the thing. So all of the attention is on how great the teacher is. But with this movie, all the attention is on how great kids can be when you invest in them and believe in them for their unique talents. Because all of the kids have a talent. And he's like, he recognizes like, hey, these kids aren't stupid at all. They just have talents that are different than what the school says makes you smart. And that was like a totally unique concept seemingly back in the 80, you know, whatever. And like, that's a completely different message. It's not about the teacher. I mean, the plot was about Freddie in the sense that like the movie's about Freddie, the teacher, but it's also about all of the kids, like even in the scene where it seems most about Freddie, where he's about to get fired and everybody comes in and rallies around him and says, look, look how great Freddie is. It's still, he still turns it back around on the kids and says, look at the improvement that these kids had. If this isn't about me, it's about how these kids improved, you know, and it's, it's actually like strangely a very old fashioned movie like because the the even though there's scenes where they're partying and there's alcohol and all of that stuff and he's most certainly not acting like he's old-fashioned you know but um the values of the movie are very old-fashioned and that it's about believing in the people that are in your immediate community and like supporting one another and everybody in this class helped one another improve. So it it became about support and community and working together to help one another and to accept one another for who they are and for their strengths. I'm like, yeah, what the hell? (laughs) How the fuck did this movie get big? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice. And there weren't any kids who were like bullying each other within the class. Because usually okay. there'll be one that's like, okay, you're going to get picked on all the time. And that didn't even happen. Well, and then like, okay, so <laughs> back to the wishes. The I thought that the saddest wish, and it kind of almost made me cry, was Alan, who's like the dorky kid. Mm-hmm. And he was like, my wish is just to get invited to the party. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to cry. Um, and also, all through that movie, I feel like the way that, you know, okay, so you know, like, when you watch, an, like, an infomercial, it's so ridiculous. And I feel like Alan kind of, like, dorks it up as though he were playing the before in the infomercial. Mm-hmm. And- that's that's I guess that's how I would describe Alan. But he yeah, gets I, he, he calms down throughout the movie. It's even sadder because usually whenever there's a dork who is like the character, the the stereotype, he's smart. So it's like, well, he's like really <laughs> awkward, but at least he's brilliant, you know. But with Alan, it's like not only is he fucking acts really 
just his energy is all frantic, but also he's not even that smart. <laughs> yes. But I think he would be really good at like organizing events. Like he'd be a good event planner, I think. I guess. <laughs> so then you have Ram. Yes. From Heathers, who in this movie is a jock who wears crop tops. <laughs> extreme crop. E- extreme crop tops. And is super sweet and falls in love with Rhonda, the pregnant girl, and takes her, starts taking her to Lamaze classes. Yes, that and was it, so sweet. And it's like, is that the first time in history a jock's ever been sweet in an 80s teen movie? <sighs> <laughs> It might be. I don't know. Was Emilio Estevez a jock in Breakfast Club? Was he sweet? Um, he was at a point where he could go either way. He could turn either way. Yeah. Yeah, this was really sweet. I liked it. And it was so weird, like, having recently seen him as the opposite. Ram. <laughs> yes. He's like a terrible misogynist. Then now he's, like, a sweetheart in this movie. And this was before Heather's, mm-hmm. I think, like the year before. Okay, so my uh, favorite wish was Denise and the driving lessons. Yeah. But that's just because I love Denise. I do too. She's the best character. Denise is the, to me, she is the very definition of Moxie. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Yes. I love her little raspy voice. And Mm -hmm. she's just like so cute and spunky. And she doesn't take any guff. And even though she's really bad at driving, she still gives it another shot. And eventually she gets her license. Also, I failed drivers, Ed. Oh, did you? The first time. I had an instructor that um I had really bad indigestion and it was winter so do what you will with that information I'm not going to elaborate okay so did you fail because you just didn't want to go or no I mean I went I'm just telling you that um you were distracted my my olfactory senses were overwhelmed Mm -hmm. oh my god (laughs) that's terrible (laughs) It's like you couldn't concentrate on the visual or audio signals you were getting from the road because your olfactory senses were taking over. And did anyone else in your car with you fail? <laughs> I was also an atrocious driver. And, and I so bad that like, <laughs> because whenever I would drive, I just kept thinking, I could kill somebody in this thing. So for like the first year, <laughs> I, was very, I was very freaked out all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I would not go on the highway. Like when I first no. had my license, I would just learn Absolutely. the back ways to the mall and all of that. I was like, nope, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. But I still like to avoid the highway when I can. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> uh but the first but the first teacher with indigestion, he he was very 
like, you need to be able to do this by next week. And if you can't, then that's your minus for the week. So he had this like whole system, this like regiment system. And I was thinking about that in the context of like my driving ed experiences in the context of this movie, because Gil is Mm -hmm. like this stickler for the rules. He doesn't question anything. He's like, you're wrong if it's not the rule. And there's no exceptions. And I was like, well, that's how my first driver's ed teacher was. And it made me really, he made me really nervous because he was like that. And then my other driver teacher where I passed and actually got good at driving. And he even taught me how to really actually parallel park instead of just getting mad because I didn't already know how to do it. Like he is like Freddie in this movie. And it's like, and I succeeded because I had somebody patiently saying to me, it's okay. Like we'll get to it later. It's not a big deal. I had, I wonder if I had the same instructor for the first time. Cause I had a guy who was mean. <laughs> what? I said, because he smelled bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but I think that I had it like in the spring. So we could yeah. have the windows down. <laughs> Maybe he had indigestion because your driving was so bad. <laughs> you gave him a nervous stomach. I hope so. No, I'm just kidding. I don't hope so. <laughs> I don't think yeah. that was it. <laughs> this guy, um, uh, he made me so nervous. He had like total negative energy. You know, he was just yeah. like ripping his clipboard the whole time. And I was just like you. I was very mm. cautious and like, ah, uh-huh. so get hurt. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember there was a time when I was supposed to make a left onto Madison Avenue, which is like a busy four lane road in our town. Yeah. It's one of the busier roads. And I'm like still nervous about making a left onto a four way. Oh road and uh I pulled out like so that I could get a good look both ways yeah. but apparently I pulled out like too far and he was like stop and then he just shook his head and he was like stupid and he called me stupid I was like thanks I felt like he was one of those real grizzly guys that was just like students are stupid I've been here like for me. 20 years <laughs> yeah it sounds like maybe we did have the same guy like you're all idiots i couldn't stand him he was probably one of my least favorite teachers but that other guy i'm trying to think of his name was his last name that sounds familiar he was the guy that my friend tried to make the moves on speaking of pam so Mm -hmm. i had a friend in high school that was dating a 21 year old and I was like, please do not date a 21-year-old. After school, she walked up to him in class and was like, was like, you know, do you want to get a thing going? Like, I won't oh tell. Like, we can just do it, like, kind of a thing. Wow. And, um, and he was like, absolutely not. Please do not approach me again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is hey, not anything for I'm for available trying. for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you get a teacher that's, like, below 65, all the girls would be like, oh, who's this? I know. That's (laughs) funny about it. The the goodwill effect. (laughs) Totally. In action. Yeah, I'm going to look that guy up. So, so, um, 
Anna Marie comes to class and she's from Italy. And she's wearing a fabulous dress, by the way. I, want, I really want that dress. Um, so she's from Italy and she is the uh, fantasy of the woman who is completely innocently sexual. People generally could be uninhibitedly sexual and like in the in a way that's innocent. And by I guess by innocent, I mean unaware that there's anything that's supposed to be bad about sex. Because whenever people are sexy in the scene where they're at a beach, they're all at the beach, and Anna Maria takes off her outfit and she's wearing her bikini and she starts to take her top off and she's like everybody's like whoa 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 what are you doing and she's very innocently like what i'm just taking my top off i can't imagine why anybody would think this is weird this very like unaware of that i'm that i'm causing a stir Anna Marie has an innocence of her own sexual powers that is appealing because it implies that she doesn't think that sex is bad and therefore would be really wild in bed because there's no inhibitions around it. Yeah, she's got just more like the European mentality. They don't have so much stigma or sensationalism surrounding nudity i mean people in like orange juice commercials are topless it's not a big deal there so it's we just assign more like sinfulness to it than they do which like i remember this person i met from france and she was like she told me that when they go to the doctor they just disrobe like completely even just for like a regular family doctor appointment and i'm like do you put like a robe on or anything she's like no i just wait on the table like completely (laughs) until the doctor comes in i was like wow bikinis so some would some would say it it was extremely inappropriate that chainsaw and dave told freddie can we have a beach party so that we can see anna maria in a bikini and Dave's like, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, not Dave, sorry. Freddie's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I was a teenage boy. Yeah. What do you, you think could about? say it was inappropriate, but yeah, what do you think it's about true. That? I mean, they're teenagers. They want a beach party anyway. And he wasn't doing it. He wasn't like, yeah, man, I want to see that too. Let's do it. Exactly. <laughs> he was doing it for them and he yeah. wasn't ogling her. And he wasn't he wasn't paying attention to Anna Maria as a sex, as a sexual being at all. He was like, Anna Maria is my student. And I never even got a vibe from him about that. Right. Yeah. When Um, she first came into the classroom, I was like, okay, here we go. mm -hmm. Everybody's going to be falling all over her. Mm -hmm. Which of course she's gorgeous, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And I thought that's when like he was going to get in on it too. Like the teacher would, but he didn't. It's like everything was within boundaries. Even though on paper, it looks like this guy's a disaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it sets a good example because when you see those behaviors on movies, like you said, Mm -hmm. it just kind of like 
normalizes them. And for kids watching it, you're just like, oh, okay, well, that's what happens. If you're hot, your teacher's going to ogle you too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not okay. And, and like, I was also nervous because of Pam at first when I realized mm-hmm. like, oh, she's interested in him. I was like, cause I couldn't quite remember. Cause I like this movie so much. I was like, well, I don't think he did anything. Cause I feel like I would really not like this movie if he did. Yeah. But I still was like kind of nervous about it being with teachers and feeling like I need the teacher to provide a safe space. Whenever you see teachers ogling their students and it's just like part of the comedy, it injects you (laughs) with the idea that when you get boobs, you have to be careful around all of your male teachers because, you know, it just sets in this automatic paranoia. So there's also this um, part where he, where Freddie teaches the students that if you, if you can write well and articulate yourself, then you can get what you want in the world and people respond to you positively and give you things that you want. He had everybody write to companies and like complain, like companies that they had a problem with something and see what, if they can like get something out of it. And so Chainsaw was like, these glasses are always breaking. These sunglasses are always breaking. So he wrote a letter and then they sent a box of a variety of different cool 80s sunglasses. You remember those shade glasses? Yeah, they look like blinds. That look like blinds? Yeah, Anna Maria got those. Yeah, Anna Maria got (laughs) those glasses. And I was like, that's where the inspiration for our logo font. Oh, nice. Were those sunglasses that were shades. Oh, cool. Because I feel like we both had those. Those are quintessential 80s. Yeah, the company was called Cool Dude Shades. And then they got like this whole box and they were all amazing. Like asymmetrical and paint splatter lenses. and (laughs) So I don't really think I have anything else. No, I don't either. Okay. So I would say, obviously, if Mark Harmon had been a teacher in our school, everyone would have a crush on him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. That would have been. I don't think I think they I think uh, he wouldn't have been able to work at the school. <laughs> I don't think so. He would have to have like the door open constantly. He could never stay after school. He'd have to be like escorted to his car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he could never be alone with any student ever. Definitely not. No. So my question would be, um, have you ever had a crush on a teacher or like an inappropriate relationship with a teacher like Pam was trying to have? That you initiated. Yeah, that you initiated. <laughs> and that, and also that like, what are your feelings about that now? Mm-hmm. As as you've been looking back through the years, how yes. do you feel about that relationship now, or that you initiated it? If you've ever had an experience like this, mm-hmm. just tell us about it at Cover Eyes Podcast at Gmail dot com or our Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> also, if you have ideas for other movies we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear those too. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. If you like our show. 
please feel free to count the ways. Find us on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes. You can also visit our store on Redbubble at Cover Your Eyes Podcast. And don't forget, we love it when you subscribe, rate, and review. Are we going to say see you next Tuesday still? <laughs> okay, we could say bye, y'all. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Enlightened. enlightened. Did we just say enlightened at the same time? Yeah. <laughs>